Man, we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight in Vancouver, all my real fans. How's it going? Sipping on a 40. Kyle Bowen talking to you. Shout out to SB Nation. Shout out to Nux Misconduct. The official Canucks program of the network. Get the network. Nux Misconduct. You get the quickie. You get silky and filthy. And you also get this show. Sipping on a 40. We come at you after every Canuck game. 82 Canuck games. 82 post game shows. This one comes after the Flyers game. They were in town. And I must tell you. The game sucked. It was horrible. I'll be straight up. I'm so disappointed. I had the homies over. We had some brewskis. We even tried some IPAs. We're living We're living on the edge over here, okay? These dudes barely watch hockey. I had one guy out of the bunch who knew the game. But the other guys, no, they barely watch. Fake fans. They're going to hop on when the Canucks are good. They're those, type of, those types of people. And it's okay. It's okay. Everyone's got their own life to live. Anyways, they came over to watch the game and uh, yeah, straight up, the game sucked. So boring. How do I how do I tell my friends that this game is cool? How do I tell my friends that that there's a wave of new hockey coming? Hockey's gonna take over. Baseball sliding. Hockey is gonna take that third spot, and they gotta watch that. What a boring game. But we still gotta talk about it because uh, yeah, 82 Canuck games. 82 post-game shows. First period, Brock. He got a he got a Gino. Pretty easy one. Went straight to the net. one nothing early. You think it's gonna it's gonna start start something big. It's gonna set the tone for an exciting game, but no. That's all that happened. Second period, Tanner Pearson. He scores after some dude on Philadelphia tied it up. What's this, what's this guy's name? Carson Twarinski? His first bingo. Pearson followed it up, got another one. Tanev got a another assist. He's looking happy. He's looking he's looking vintage. I don't know if you caught this, but uh Elaine Vigneault, he talked about he talked about Edler and Tanev. You know, I should pull this up somewhere. But anyways, he talked about Edler and Tanev early in their careers. And he knew, he knew that Chris Tanev was going to be something special. Now, obviously, Chris Tanev isn't the same player that he was, you know, years ago. The dude does everything, blocks everything, takes takes the biggest hits. But but AV knew he was something special. In fact, during that cup run, he had him playing in front of in front of veterans. I remember that. Who was this guy? Chris Tanev. But he was solid. Chris Tanev now looking happy again playing with Quinn Hughes, and he's getting points. He's getting a lot of points. I'm sounding so excited, even though the game sucked. Let 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 me say that again, okay? The game fucking sucked. You fast forward to the third period; it was all flyers, all flyers. The Canucks were just waiting for that game to end. Boom, bam, late in the late in the third period, Jordy Ben takes a takes a bad call, and then you then we see Travis Green. That's got to be the best GIF of the year in the NHL. Every time something bad happens, like a too many men penalty. Or any, pe- or any penalty for that matter. Travis Green. They get the camera on him. And the dude's just pissed. Nodding his head. 
man, imagine imagine that guy being the coach of that team, a team that spends to the cap, a team that trades a first-round pick, and a team that's now played played two really bad hockey games. Let's be real. They've only played four. They played two really bad hockey games. Yeah, they're 2-2. Two and two. We'll get to that later, but damn. Dude looked frustrated today. You go to the you go to the overtime period. I know I'm going through this game very quickly, but what do you want me to what, what do you want me to talk about? You hear the snoring in the back? That's the game for you. The game sucked. Go to overtime. Canucks get a power play. They load up the unit. The fans get their wishes. Not much happens. EP, who was frustrated the whole game. The dude was mad. The dude's a fighter, okay? The dude's a did I say he's a fighter? I mean he has fire. He has fire. I'll bring it up again. Remember when that tweet came out that that the Canucks had all their A's laid out and, and Blake Price, I know I'm calling him out again, miscommunication. He put it out there that, yo, Horvat's getting an A. Everyone thought Pedersen may get the C. Obviously, he was uh, heavily flabbergasted and, and yo, Horvat got the captaincy. He deserves it. But you're seeing right there why, why Pedersen is a true leader. He, he has fire. He has emotion. A lot of it. It's game four. This guy's swearing at everyone. Yo, you could you could hear him. You could hear him on the ice. One time he wanted the puck, he yelled out fuck. Elias Pedersen, second year player. Dude's got fire. And, and dudes dudes had a slow start. A slow start. A lot of Canuck players have had slow starts. They didn't capitalize on the power play. Go to the shootout. Pedersen scored. Pearson scored. Game was over. Game was over boring game in fact this game was so boring halfway through the game we started talking about the the porn hub awards and then i realized i was i was searching up the nominations for the porn hub awards without going on incognito damn is the government well, what happens now i went on Pornhub without incognito first time ever anyways i looked at the nominations and i looked at the award names and i'm not gonna i don't know much about the industry I, very, <laughs> I know a very uh, a very small part of the industry. But you could guess. You could guess what some of the awards are. And, and you'll prob probably be right. Congratulations to all the winners of the Pornhub Awards. Jacob Markstrom. We got to talk about him next. We got to talk about him next. But first, we got to go to an ad. And like always, before the ad... We run, uh, we run a good segment over here. I want you to know all your Canuck players, including Tim Schaller. Who the fuck is that guy? Tim Schaller actually played a decent game today. Big block. All right, we're back on sipping on a 40. Canucks, they pick up a dub in what was quite possibly one of the, yeah, that was one of the most boring games of the year across the NHL. Across the NHL, the day before Thanksgiving. Okay? The day before Thanksgiving. You know at the dinner table tomorrow, you know, the families that have Canuck fans within them, they're going to be talking. They're going to be talking about the Canucks, the same team that spent to the cap, the same team that brought back the same GM of one of the worst teams in the, in the NHL, a team that traded a first-round pick. They're going to be asking, how are the Canucks doing this year? I see their records 2-2. Two and two, Not bad, eh? 
Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Jacob Markstrom, he's been he's been the most consistent player the whole time. Whole time. How good can this guy be? How many starts is he gonna get? Travis Green has 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 loved Jacob Markstrom for a long time. He had him in Utica. Now he's had him for a couple years here in Vancouver. And Travis Green going into his third year as bench boss of an NHL team needs success. And, and Jacob Markstrom, he's been doing this for, for over a year now. What exactly has he been doing? He's playing, he's playing like a top 10 goaltender. He's looking calm. He's looking poised. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Who's who's the goalie coach here? Ian Clark. They got to pay him. I heard his contract's up at the end of the year. They got to figure out a way to keep this guy. The dude's a mag magician. He truly is. It makes you think about the next game against Detroit on Tuesday. I don't know. I think Jacob gets it. I know you want balance. But we're talking about a team once again that hasn't been playing that well. You look at two and two. Yeah, not bad, right? No. Two horrible, yes, horrible games. Both on Saturdays, both on primetime TV. They got to look better. They got to look better. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving, for sure, for sure, we, we, we brought it up. People are going to be asking about the Canucks. They're going to be asking about a couple players too. And let's just go over that. Get you warmed up, okay? Because you're, you're going to need answers, okay? What's going to be asked on the Thanksgiving dinner table, okay? I say pass the peas like we used to do. Wow. Okay. Somebody's going to ask how Michael Ferlin is doing. And you you have to say, you have to say blah. You have to say, I don't know. You have to bring up the concussion history. Is he the same player? What exactly is Michael Ferlin? Now, I will say, I think they got him at a pretty good deal. The term kind of is scary. And now we've seen him for four games. He missed a lot of time in training camp, was sick. I think that does give him some time with the market. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple more, couple more weeks or just, or just a, or just one more week. The market is crazy. And Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat doesn't have, doesn't really have, doesn't have a line yet, really. I mean, look, he looks good with Pearson, but Levo, is that the guy you want on your top six? Is that the guy you want to? You want to have lined up with your captain? Is that fair to Bo Horvat? You brought JT Miller to give Horvat Horvat a line mate. And he gets Josh Levo. They need Michael Ferland. This team needs Michael Ferland to, to be to be active in the top six. Especially, especially if, if they have if they have Sven Berchi down. That brings up another question. I say pass the peas like we used to do. When is Sven Berchi getting called up? Now, assuming that your family is full of Canuck fans and they've watched the first four games, that question will probably be asked. Jim Benning thinks, or he thought that this team had enough skill, but I'm not seeing it. It's early, I know, but when you have a guy down there who's better, who's better than a Tim Schaller, who's, who's, probably more valuable than a dude in the press box press box in louis erickson let's be real is it time for sven to come back is it too quick i don't know the question must be asked we, again we bring up josh Levo. he's getting a lot of chances too 
seems like a dope dude seems like a hard worker he's better than guys like erickson and schaller but can he be on the top six on a team that spends to the cap and traded their first round pick there are expectations this year and through the first four games they kind of look like an average team things will things will change once once guys like Pedersen and Bezer wake up and they will they will for sure but balance is needed when is Fan Berchi getting called up your family will probably ask another question and this question is hey full of Canuck fans of course they're gonna be asking about they're gonna be asking about Quinn Hughes I say pass the peas like we used to do what? Hey, Kyle. Assuming that's my uncle. Hey, Kyle. How good is how good is Quinn Hughes? Yo, Quinn Hughes is crazy. Quinn Hughes is crazy. That's how I. That's how I'd respond. The dude's a gamer. He wants the puck. You know, when you watch games like we did today, you just kind of want to watch Quinn Hughes play half of it. When you watch games like today, where Pedersen isn't getting the puck enough in the middle, you want Quinn Hughes on the ice more. You want him making all your passes. Through four games, he looks, most importantly, confident. Confident on the NHL ice. Even in games like this, where he doesn't get a point, doesn't get a goal, he looks like a top four NHL defenseman. The ceiling is so high for Quinn Hughes. He also fits in very well with Pedersen. You know, we brought up Pedersen being a fiery dude, swearing all over the place, doing his thing. Being mad at not only himself, but his teammates too. You could see it. And I like that. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. If he's mad at his teammates, I feel like I could see the body language. I feel like you could hear it on the ice. Him slamming his stick. He was frustrated out there. That's okay. Bad game. The whole team played bad. I feel like Quinn Hughes is similar. Just the baller mentality. Going on the ice every, every shift to be the best player on that surface. He wants to win every game. He fits in very well with the with the other best player on this team. I saw a tweet earlier. I want to give credit to them. Can I find them on here? I, th I know Uncle Elite. He was uh he made a funny response to it. But man, it was something about it was something about Tanner Pearson for for Eric Goodbranson being a being one of the most lopsided Canuck trades in recent recent memory. I don't know how I went from Hughes to Tanner Pearson, but we got to give the dude credit. He he looks he looks lighter out there. He's flying down the ice. He's taking a lot of shots. He's been he's been top three Canucks best player since game one. He really has. Yeah, the tweet was talking about how that trade is again one one of the more lopsided trades in Canuck history. Uh, I saw some sarcastic yet kind of obvious remarks to it. I mean, people brought up the Naslin trade and whatnot, and, and it's kind of hard to. To justify a statement like that when it involves the name Tanner Pearson. You know, Jim Benning gets 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 a lot of credit from, from his Benning bros about Berchi trades, the Grandland trade, and whatnot. Mediocre, <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> what type of trades are there those to brag for? So when you see a guy named per Pearson being brought up in a lopsided trade, you kind of kind of turn the other way. But but now when you look at it, Jim Benning did trade good Branson for this dude. He turned good Branson into one of the better Canuck players this year. 
How do we do that? We talked about the game already for 15 minutes, and we haven't even gotten into, gotten into the last segment. In fact, this might be the most entertaining part of the show. I didn't want the show to be this long. How did we do it? It's fucking Saturday night, baby. It's the day after the game. Okay, let's run this segment. It's called The Read. Thomas Drance, Mike Halford. They wrote the book, 100 Things Canucks Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And I actually want to read you two parts of this book. Big week in the city of Vancouver. Let's do it. The Read. And further details of this continuing story. All right, this is The Read. The name inspired by the great educational masterpiece, which is a podcast as well, produced by Loudspeaker Network. Great podcast. Here on Sippin' on a 40, again, we read pages from the book 100 Things Canucks Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Shout out Thomas Drance, shout out Mike Halford, and shout out to Cheech. He had parts, he had parts in this book as well. This is Thing slash Part 77, no chapters once again. It's called The Dawn of the West Coast Express. Opened in 1995, the West Coast Express is an interregional com- commuter railway linking downtown Vancouver with some of the Fraser Valley's largest cities. It's one of the busiest public transit services in British Columbia. But ask Canuck fans about the West Coast Express, and their answer doesn't involve trains. For them, the West Coast Express is Marcus Naslin, Brendan Morrison, and most importantly, I added that part, Todd Bertuzzi, a high-flying offensive trio that took Vancouver by storm in the early 2000s, emerging as one of the NHL's best and most exciting lines. I also want to read you part 78. I like how it follows right after part 77, the one we just read. Dan Kluge, the flub and the importance of playoff success. Goaltending has been a relative strength of the Vancouver Canucks now for about a decade. But when Brian Burke famously dubbed Vancouver's, Vancouver as a goalie graveyard in the early 2000s, most Canucks fans grimly nodded in agreement. I wanted to do those back-to-back because we saw a lot of Todd Bertuzzi. We did a lot of reminiscing this week. In fact, go check out Wyatt, Wyatt's piece. I believe he did it for Daily Hive about Todd Bertuzzi, about the moment. He skated on the ice during the ceremony in which Bo Horvat got the seat. It was a cool moment. He even, he even, he even donned the old jersey from the early 2000s. The white one, a fresh, a fresh fit. Todd Bertuzzi was on the ice in front of Vancouver Canucks fans. And it was a moment. It was a moment. Super loud in that arena. I believe I saw a tweet that Harmon Dial, the whiz kid, he was surprised that it was louder for Bertuzzi than it was for Elias Pettersson. Todd Bertuzzi, a fucking legend. Say what you want about him. Made a bad mistake. But he was, you know, for a lot of 8 to 10-year-olds at the time, which make up a large part of what now is a large a large demographic, a large vocal demographic. You know, we're now 25, 26, 26. Those, those same people who watch Bertuzzi in our city do his thing, play like no other player in the league. Part of the West Coast Express. Exciting times. People were in love with the Canucks. 
that's where that's where a lot of people's first love started with the organization we didn't know 94 we knew the west coast express some people i guess probably don't don't fuck with bertuzzi fair enough for what he did to steve moore and i hope steve moore is doing well but life is life is about forgiveness and it was obvious that this city a city that cares and loves hockey was going to forgive Todd Bertuzzi with the, the biggest hug, the biggest forgiveness. The dude is a fan favorite. Now, now there's there's word or debate that, that he should be in the ring of honor. I'll be straight up, put him in there. Dominant. This this team hasn't had a lot of dominant players. And when I say dominant, I'm talking about not just a great player for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm talking about one of the best players in the whole fucking league. How many times has that happened to this organization? We just talked about how Quinn Hughes, through 50 years, is the first number one defenseman they've had. Todd Bertuzzi was phenomenal. Now, I read that second part about goaltending. Uh, I've, had that, I've had this discussion a couple times this week. You know, seeing Bertuzzi brought back memories brought back conversations of the West Coast Express era and brought back the name Dan Cloutier. <laughs> when I was younger, I thought Dan Cloutier was was good. I mean, he was the goalie from my team. I had to believe in him, but I knew even at the young age of what 9 or 10 that he was <laughs> he was horrible in the playoffs. He was horrible in the playoffs. Vancouver once a goalie graveyard. Flip the page from a from a horrible Horrible net mining experience prior to what 2006, and they've done pretty, they've done pretty well after that point. It's been a roller coaster. Luongo Schneider, even Eddie Lack, Roberto Luongo, but it hasn't been that that bad. And now we see Jacob Markstrom, who's proved me wrong like no other athlete, show signs that he's coming back this year as a top ten goalie. Can he can he get to the top five? Goaltending is so important. Prior to the season, I said it, not to boast, I said that Markstrom is more important to this team's success than Elias Pedersen. He is, that's just a fact. Hey, look, I gotta go. This episode has lasted way too long, especially for a... for a boring-ass game. Get the network. Once again, you get three shows. You get the quickie, the quickest hockey show in the world. You get Silky and Filthy, your home for puck talking bullshit. And you get this, the official program of the Vancouver Canucks via SB Nation. Three and one. Swipe it, tap it. It doesn't matter. Just get the damn network. I appreciate your time. I wish you have. I wish. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I guess I wish that too. And I also hope, I also hope you have a good night or a good morning or a good afternoon. I do not know when you're listening to this, but I truly, yes, truly appreciate it. <laughs>